Uh, for the sake of uh, the title, uh, tonight's teaching is entitled Perfection. And uh, <clears throat> um, I uh, have a couple of graphics and even a video that we'll share with you in just a moment. Um, uh, one of the needful and important things that uh, you need to inquire in planet Earth or acquire is a proper education in this realm. I have a graphic here. It says that your education will determine many decisions you can and cannot make in the future. In many cases, your education will determine how far you can be promoted and how much money you can make. It will determine what doors are open and closed to you in the future and many times will set the limits of your lifestyle. Next graphic says, education is not always fun, neither is it always interesting. There are some subjects you love and some that are seemingly boring, yet you are still required to get an education and be in class. Those who skip school usually get skipped over in life. And uh, Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you. That you will be no priest unto me, seeing that you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. So it's very important, you know, we know that in order to live a, a measure of success in planet Earth, that you have to have an education. Uh, sometimes it may be self-education. Sometimes, I mean, you know, it's nothing like education through crashing and bumping your head into the wall. You know, and some of it is uh, what they call a uh, program learned education, where you go to a university <clears throat> and uh, learn about different subjects and get a degree. And then you have self-education. Uh, but either way, uh, we understand the importance of an education. Uh, you have to get a minimum of 18 years of school just to be able to be qualified to step out into the world. And that's just to be qualified to step out. If you want to advance, then you have to get further education, whether it be self-education, but opening up a business, whether it be uh, other uh, um, degrees, uh, because there are certain, certain outfits in life where you can only go down that road certain to a certain distance, and in order for you to get that door, you gotta show a piece of paper. Um, if you don't show that piece of paper, sorry, go someplace else. And then how many know you should be educating yourself until the day you die? You should be gaining the education. But <clears throat> regardless to that, we understand the importance of uh, that when it comes to a place that is a temporary home. Um, unfortunately, um, and I, I don't know if I should always say the word religion, because not all religion is bad. Bible says pure religion um, is to keep yourself unspotted from the world and take care of the orphan and the widow. So maybe that's something that we should stop doing is just say religion, because then, you know, people who don't understand will put that all in the same box. You know what I mean? You know, but either way, bad religion, let's put it that way, <laughs> you know, has talked us out of, you know, really who we really are in planet Earth. You know, the church and the kingdom of God in planet Earth has pretty much come down to just kind of coming and uh, hearing a word is usually not even a good word. Um, it's just a word. It's usually food past the expiration date. Unfortunately, the church has gotten to a place where she is satisfied with no results. Uh, she's satisfied with just hearing the same old mundane thing over again. Mundane thing all over again. You know, but the way it was supposed to be is, is that you gave your life to Christ and then you were supposed to study the subject of heaven. Colossians 3 says, to, once you give your life to Christ, it says set your attention on heaven, leave it there. It says don't study things in planet earth. It says study things in heaven alone. Because, I mean, you know, if you need an education in a place you're going to be 80 to 100 years, if you've got to educate yourself 18 to 24 years for a place you're going to be 80 or 90 years, what is your education supposed to be for a place you're going to live ever? And so it's a lifelong learning machine, and um, it is very difficult to study a place that you can't see and gain understanding of a place that you've never been. Yet heaven requires us to focus on that because the Bible says, seek and ye shall find, knock and the door shall be opened, ask and it shall be given unto you. And so uh, we're going to pick up with where we left off um, these last couple of sessions talking about those that are in heaven that have gone before us and how the scripture says that they cannot be perfected without us. I don't know what all of that means. All I know is it might behoove us to obey it anyway. The things of God are beyond your understanding and your intellect. 
And so I do have a quick video I'm going to show you in a moment. But let's read the scripture first. It says in Hebrews 11:39, all these people all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Every time I read that scripture, that's a lot of weight and responsibility on us. Is that 6,000 years of righteous people are all hoping that we do the right thing now. Okay. In Hebrews 12.1, as it continues, it says, therefore, because of this, because of what? Because of everybody that's gone before you and they were hoping that you can do the right thing to perfect them. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Three things when it comes to a race. Number one, keep your eyes on the prize. One of the things that they tell you when you're on track is don't look to the side and whatever you do, don't look back because you will fall. And as a matter of fact, uh, who is that? Uh, oh, Lord, never mind. I was watching something concerning Medea. And, uh, and she said that is the reason why the rearview mirror is a whole lot smaller than the windshield. And so you're supposed to keep your focus ahead. But according to the scripture, there are two things that can mess you up. One, if you are trying to run a race and you have items on your back or you're carrying items that you should not be carrying, it's going to slow you down. And if you're slowed down in a race, you might lose the race. Other thing is, then you have the other one, which is you have things that are tripping you up. How I many of you know it will be very, very difficult to run a race at full speed? And, and yet there are certain things on the track that are tripping you up. You know, that's going to slow you down and possibly make you fall. Hey, but, uh, but that's what that looks like. Um, um, there's a whole, uh, the Bible never calls this race a marathon, um, even though we could say it is one because it's a long race. It's a 6,000-year race. It's a 6,000-year relay race where every generation passes the baton to the next, passes the baton to the next, passes the baton to the next, and then... <laughs> I started to say, unfortunately, but fortunately for us, we have the last baton. And so uh, the person that has the baton last is the most dangerous. They have to be the strongest because, as you know, if they drop that baton, it doesn't matter how many people ran before you. It doesn't matter if they broke the record in the leg that they ran. <laughs> the person who has the last baton, if they mess up, they mess it up for everybody. And so that's why it says here is they can't be perfected without us. They can't truly win unless we do our part in the last leg. And so uh, that's a lot of weight. It's a lot of responsibility. So we're going to roll this quick video, and um, I think we can play them at the same time here and online. It is a video of a young lady that she was behind in the relay race, severely behind. Some of you have probably seen this before, but it's worth her repeating or showing again. She was severely behind. This would also let you know, don't give up. You know, don't, don't give up. You can be behind. You can be last. You can be the last one on the total pole. I like car races. And some of you have seen these car races. And the race started, and then the guy showed up at the, at the finish line. You know, and he still won. And so this is an example of focus. I thought it was excellent. And we'll go ahead and show it now. That's crazy. I interviewed the girl. She said, I'm used to coming from behind and winning. So that's normal to her. That's supposed to be normal for us all. Okay. So, and so yet, and so the Lord said something to me, interestingly, is that that's what she, it does not matter that she, now that's a natural race. It didn't matter that she was behind and it didn't matter that she was way behind. All that matters is that she gave her best in the leg that she was supposed to run. And there's something about, it's just, I don't know, there's, there are a lot of mysterious forces uh, that we can't explain in that regards. You know, it is true, whether it is, it, it's, it's uh, running, bicycle racing, car racing, there's something about chasing the individual in front of you that allows you to focus more. The most dangerous spot in a, uh, in a race sometimes is the one that's in first place. In car racing, uh, they'll jump out there, those longer races that I like to watch, like the 24-hour Le Mans or 10 Petit Le Mans, which is 10 hours, 
And the guy that plans on running the race, he won't even jump up first. He'll stay back for a long time and just blend in. And then when you get towards the end of the race, he then tries to chase down the guy in first place so that he can get there at the last minute. It's a lot of science in, in that regards. But either way, this is very important because the ones who went before us need us to not make the same mistakes as the, they, they did. That's something that the Holy Spirit brought to my attention, is that the ones who went before us, they made mistakes. Um, and we read about some of it. See, here's the thing. When you read the Bible, you're not even reading 0.01% of the people that did great exploits for God. Those are just a few that the hand selected, God hand selected to give you an example about how men can do the right thing, men can do the wrong thing, and how God deals with men who do the wrong thing and, and the right thing, and, and, and how some of them fought evil, and then some of them became the very evil that they fought, and how the most evil of men became righteous, and the most righteous of men became evil. All of those things, the Bible says the Old Testament is written for our learning so that we can move faster. So if this generation has the last leg, then God does not lead us to make the same mistakes, but he needs us to strive for, per for perfection. Hey, um, a lot of people don't think you can be perfect, um, but if you say you can't be perfect, then you have called God a liar. So let's look at the scripture, what it says about being perfect. Matthew 5, 43 through 48. This is a good lesson, by the way. And as something I was saying earlier about, let me say this, let me backtrack just for a second. Something I was saying earlier about schooling. Um, we, we, have, we, are, we have slowly but surely put this branch of the body of Christ back in the Bible. Um, and what I mean by that is, um, it is amazing how far off track you can get um, if you don't know history. And, uh, and the body of Christ, whether she wants to admit it or not, has just gotten so far off track where what's normal in the Bible is now strange in church. You know, and so having, moving, the, moving the church back to raw, the raw word of God, not some old watered-down cockamamie mess that you came up with while you were watching TV at the same time. I'm talking about if you put this sermon together, would Jesus preach it or would he throw it in the trash? To restore that type of word, to restore the gifts of the Spirit, to restore inner healing, to restore deliverance, which is casting out of unclean spirits, to, to uh, divine healing, laying on of hands, prophecy, prophets, apostles, dreams and visions. You know, we've been on that for a while. Dreams and visions, all of those things that we have slowly but surely restored. And so now, as you know, with this particular month, moving over into, as the scripture says, giving to the poor. You know, and uh, we'll announce the next date for the Zimbabwe offering, I think, which will be March the 6th, I think, that weekend. Um, and so the last part, though, is moving the church, and as the Holy Ghost said, taking back the streets. You know, I saw a quote by a particular pastor, and he's a really cool guy, and he's, and all he did was mention, we need to get back to church, and we need to get back to worship, we need to get back to prayer, we need to get back to all of these different type of things in the church, and that's how we're going to take the streets back. No, you're not. That's how you're going to go to church. And so we're going to be moving over into something by which we're going to take over for real. We're going to release people in other cities and other states to be able to go and build their own house churches, and they will multiply and they will grow. It's moving back to what they did in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, it says that the people spent the majority of their time on the streets every single day, every single day. And it says as a result of that, God then blew his breath upon them, and it says there was not one of them that lacked anything. Okay. And, so, and so moving back over into that, you got to dig yourself out of a hole that other people put you in. While you were in the hole, you took upon their mentality because when they were lowering you down the hole, you didn't know you were being lowered. <laughs> so in order, it's, it's crazy how to get back to the Bible, you have to, you have to go through your own personal demons and get this thing out of my head. This is the only way that I've seen church. And it's amazing how you can be programmed religiously. You can be programmed in a wrong way and you can see the answer right in scripture and still it's, it's, it's like trying to climb an invisible mountain. You see the answer, and yet it's a part of you that won't do the answer. 
It's called a stronghold. Well, you have seen something so long, you have heard something so long, and the preacher told you it was right so long, it becomes a stronghold. And because it's wrong, your life is put on hold. And because you heard it so long, it becomes a stronghold. And now you're trying all you can to move forward, but it's a stronghold on your life because of bad teaching. And then you get to the point where now the body of Christ, they just come to church and they just pretend. Let's go to Disneyland this Sunday and pretend like we're going to walk in victory. And pretend like God is able. And pretend like anything that you say would come to pass. And let's pretend that the prayers that you pray, God really will answer. And let's pretend that we're going to lay hands on people and see them get healed. And let's pretend like we're bold as a lion and a knockdown Goliath. Let's pretend. And that's what Sunday morning has become is pretend time. And it's happened so long that, uh, that the people are now satisfied with going to church for story time. Because when you sit the kids down for story time, many of them, they know the story is not real, but they're fascinated with it nonetheless. You've seen these little movies of man sitting around the campfire <laughs> at nighttime, and he's telling the kids, tell us a story. They know this story is a lie, but yet they're still infatuated with the story nonetheless. And that's what's happened to the body of Christ. And so right now, the body of Christ is where this girl was in the race way back. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter how way back you are. You can still come in first place. I don't care about nobody else. I know this place is coming in first place. We are ready to head a pack. But let me tell you something. The Lord told Rick Joyner, he said, it is foolishness to determine your level by what you see other people doing. You got a 50-member church staring at somebody with a 10,000-member church and don't know, don't know that they'll be closed in eight years. <laughs> It's going to be a lot of, let me just go on and, get, and keep my stuff right tight today. Okay, so let me tell you something. You know, we, we are going to be moving back over into the Bible. So there'll be others teaching. We're going to be pushing evangelism and miracles and, and, and we're getting ready. The, the last kind of frontiers where you see all of this together is when you push over into raw evangelism, discipleship, coupled with healing. Pressing into starting that in the prayers and the confession. There is no sick amongst us. There is no sick amongst us. And, I, and we don't know what it looks like in the visible realm. But when the people start, start saying that, how many know the Bible says that if two of you will agree in regards to anything, it'll be done. That's two. We just need everybody to agree and stick to it. And then something happens in the, in the invisible realm to make what we say come to pass. Okay. Lady, matter of fact, just texted me earlier today about a dream that she had. And, uh, about healing operating our mints. So, all right, let's get back to the point. So just get ready because after, I thought it was going to be this weekend, but I'm going to kind of segue this weekend and next weekend over into this. And let me tell you something, those are the greatest rewards. And, and I mean, we're not talking about you every once in a while. See? It is amazing what people say that they can't do until you put money on the table. You know, I'm just nervous when it comes to witnessing the people because I don't really know what to say and I just get so tongue-tied when I invite people to church and, you know, I'm just an introvert, not an extrovert. I'm just a little bit more to myself and, you know, I, I'm not that good of a speaker, like Moses said. I'm not that good of a speaker and, and all that type of stuff and, and, and uh, I give you a million dollars. Where are the people at? <laughs> you can sit up here all day long and talk about what you're nervous to do. Put a million dollars on the table. You'll do it nervous. Lord told you he's going to give you a million dollars if you get two people saved a month for the next six months. At the end of six months, I'll give you a million dollars. Man, you'll have that. You'll calculate, okay, that's two people a month. Two times six is 12, or I'm doing that this month. You'll do it in one month and then ask for the million dollars. I've always had to ask people, like, well, you know, you know, I would come to church, but y'all just too far. And it's amazing how people with that mentality can't see the trick coming. So I say, let me ask you a question. Um, sister, drive too far, you know. So, so the church is too far for you to drive. Yes. Okay. But it's only 45 minutes. I know. But, uh, 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 uh. Okay. So, so if every time you drove to church for 45 minutes, I gave you $200, would you come? <laughs> They're like, that's a stupid question. Oh, see? 
So the Bible says you can't serve God in money. And God knows in your heart you do it for money, but you're going to do it for him. And because he knows that about you, he loves you, but he's not going to give you any extra money. Because he knows that if he give you extra money, you'll still do the same thing. Lord, bless me with $100 million, and I swear I'll be your international. You're going to be internationally disappeared. That's what you're going to do. We always think we're going to do the right thing. You know how you can always tell that you're going to do the right thing? It's about what you're doing right now. What you're doing right now is exactly what will happen if God gives you more. Money and power amplify what's on the inside of you. Let's start over. Matthew 5.43. You heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that way you'll be acting as true children of your father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Which means there is a reward for loving those who don't love you. Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. How I many know that's a tall order? Here's one of the definitions of perfect it means complete growth in mental and moral character, a full age, brought to its end, finished, wanting. Or needing nothing necessary, fully mature. Hey, um, it's interesting. God's definition of perfect is that you is not that you never make a mistake. That's our definition. God's definition of maturity is that you are actively practicing all tenets of the gospel. We'll look at that. Romans 12, 1 through 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, which means that's just what you're supposed to do. You haven't impressed, you haven't impressed God. In verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Okay, so you'll find that the will of God for your life in different areas will always fit into three categories, acceptable, good, or perfect. Of course, you see that in a race, first place, second place, third place. You see it when you take a test at school. Come home with an A, perfect. Come home with a B, that's good. Come home with a C, your parents' eyebrows are up. Okay, now that's barely acceptable, but anything underneath that, how I many you know you get your Atari taken away? That's what I grew up on was Ataris. Video game, whatever it is, your phone, whatever it is. You got to sit down on the couch for five hours. You can't go outside for a month. Whatever it is, okay? And there are four stages to this. I'll do the first one. For the first stage of this growth is actually the sinful stage where you are not in the kingdom of God. Sinful stage is John 9, 31. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. Now, that's talking about people who are actively and proactively living in sin. It's your lifestyle. You ain't thinking about stopping. Okay? But he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Isaiah 59, 1 through 2. Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. So that's the first stage sinful stage then you give your life to christ and like i said as the bible says as the bible says like i said this past weekend you are allowed to come to christ as you are you are just not allowed to remain as you are so once you accept jesus christ as your lord and savior you are accepted you are now in the first stage you are acceptable second corinthians 8 12 for if there be first a willing mind it is accepted according to that a man has and not according to that he has not so you are accepted not because you are mature you are accepted not because you know how to do everything right you are accepted not because you're completely sin free you are accepted not because you know every scripture in the bible and can pray longer than jesus you are accepted because you made the right decision you understand what i'm saying 
That's what the Bible says. You that are new desire the sincere milk of the word so that you can start growing. That's the acceptable stage. Then you have the next stage, which is the good. You move from acceptable to good. Hebrews 13, 20 through 21. And I kind of mixed probably good and perfect here. But now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will. Notice it says he can't make you perfect unless you're in the good part in the first place. In every good work, he will then start making you perfect to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Then we move over to perfect. I'm just brushstroking these. Matthew 19, 16 through 21. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Here's the perfect right here. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder, number one. You must not commit adultery, number two. You must not steal, number three. You must not testify falsely, number four. Honor your father and mother, number five. And love your neighbor as yourself, number six. I have obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? How many of you want to say that? Go to heaven and say, Lord, I kept all of your commandments, which lets you know it's possible. It's interesting how many men in the Old Testament, without the name of Jesus, without the power of praying in tongues, without all this stuff that we have in a full Bible, it's amazing to me how many of them kept all of the commandments and the Bible said that they were perfect. You got more power, so what's your excuse? Oh, I'm not getting, I didn't get any amens. Let's keep on going with that. So, so what verse am I in? Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. It's very interesting that seven is the number of perfection, and the Lord gave him seven commands in order to be perfect. It's not a coincidence. Because found in those seven things is the ability to become perfect in God's eyesight, not man's. Okay? <laughs> to prove to you man is not the qualifying factor, how many when you gave your life to Christ, people still trying to put you back in your B.C. days? I know you saved now, but I remember when. It's a good thing you remember because guess what? God doesn't. It's one thing about God. He said, when you ask for forgiveness, I will cast your sins as far as the east is from the west, and I will remember them no more. If you have repented of something that you did in the past, regardless of how dastardly and evil and wicked it was, if you go to God religiously trying to, get, trying to pull his coattail, you know, Lord, I did that six months ago, and I know you forget. He has no idea what you're talking about. Amazing. I'm reminding God of something he can't remember. It's the only thing God forgets. I don't know how he does that. Y'all can ask him when y'all get up there. How many of you going up there? Now let me get up there and say, Jesus, where's such and such? He just put his head down. It's a good question. This is the graphic to do the seven things to be perfect. Number one, he said, do not murder. What you can do with your hands and you can do with your mouth. A lot of people have murdered people with their mouth. Never speak ill or evil of someone, even if they did you wrong. If you go too far, because let me tell you something, whatever you say about an individual and you believe it or you desire it, you actually invoke forces in motion to try to bring that thing to pass. And if that person has no barrier up, you can be affecting him. A lot of leaders are, in, are protected by invisible barriers, especially today, because there are too many ignorant folk to talk about them. There are too many people that hurl inserts at them. There are too many people that curse them. So they are protected by invisible barriers because they don't know that you are actually invoking the spirit of murder. Next one is don't commit adultery, which you can do that physically and you can do that in your heart. That's why the Bible says for a man not to lust after a woman in his heart. Why? He said, you've committed to sin already. Well, how is that? Because you put laws into motion and make it happen. People don't have, we have no idea how powerful we are. And that seems straight. Now, now if you're single, he didn't say you couldn't look on a woman. If you're single, you're supposed to be looking. Going down grocery store, aisle six. How you doing? Let me stop. Let me stop. Okay. 
If you're single, you're supposed to be looking. And don't be asking them, can you come together for no Bible study either? Take them on a date to a nice restaurant and talk. <laughs> and as the Russian cosmonaut said in the movie Armageddon, don't be touching anything. <laughs> I don't know why that's my favorite part of the whole movie. <laughs> okay, so you're supposed to be looking. Now, you know, my, my previous pastor taught the men something called the holy term. Oh, she's fine. That's what you do when you have on a ring. The married men ain't supposed to be looking. And neither are the married women supposed to be looking. See, and it's different nowadays because through technology and just stuff, you know, people, they, society has learned how to contour their bodies and, and wear certain clothings that make you look amazing. You know, um, I, 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 I am a candidate of one time talking to a girl at the nightclub when the lights were down low and, and got the phone number. And um, yeah, that was a mistake. Take him into the light. <laughs> it's just, beauty's in the heart of a holder. I'm just saying, that's just, why am I telling y'all this? The point is, is that you can lust after a woman in your heart when you begin to visualize you being with her, visualize her naked, visualize you being with her. So you committed adultery in your heart. Then he said, don't steal. Okay? Um, now that's self-explanatory. But let me tell y'all, be careful what you do at work. Because if, if, if while you're at work, you're on the computer all day, they didn't hire you to be on your computer all day. You can, you can be stealing that way. Fourth one, he said, don't testify falsely, which is the category of lying, gossip, and judging. When you lie, you're testifying falsely. When you gossip, you're testifying falsely because you don't know if it's true. If it is true, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. And then when you're judging, the Bible says don't ever judge by the appearance and don't judge anything without uh, waiting for time to go by. Okay? Honor your father and mother. Well, they did me wrong. Honor your father and mother. You can at least send them a happy Mother's Day card, regardless if they're a good mother or not. Let me tell you something. The Bible said to treat your enemies with love. So he expects you to give a little bit of honor when it comes to your parents. Okay? And then the sixth one was love your neighbor like yourself. Okay? If someone ran out of gas at the gas station, if it was you, would you want someone to give you cash? If your lawnmower broke down and you didn't have the money to fix it, but your grass needed to be cut, um, would you want someone to cut your grass? Okay. Um, someone asked you for $20, but if you needed $200, would you want them to give it to you? Someone needed a ride across town, but if you needed a ride across town, would you want someone to get you? I understand my point. That's what I mean by love your neighbor as yourself. When you see a situation, switch places and put yourself there and say, what would you want done for yourself? And then do that, switch back for the other individual. And then the seventh one was giving to the poor. Those are the seven things that if you practice those, he did not say you weren't perfect if you didn't make a mistake. That's why the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times and gets back up again. But if you are actively practicing those, guess what? You move from sinful to acceptable to good to perfect. And they're being in the Bible that God said were perfect. First Kings 15, 11 through 14. Asa did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, as did David his father. He took away the sodomites out of the land. Sodomites is men who were with men. And removed all the idols that his fathers had made. And also, uh, Maacah, his mother, even her he removed from being queen. Amen. Hey, you get in charge and, and fire your mama. Because she had made an idol in a grove, and Asa destroyed her idol. This dude was serious about holiness. And burnt it by the brook Kidron. But the high places were not removed. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was perfect with the Lord all his days. The reason why I said the high places were not removed, he himself in his lifestyle was perfect, but there's something that he did not do that he was supposed to do. And even though he did not do that thing that was his responsibility, the Bible says still he was perfect in his heart. You understand what I'm saying? I want you to get this thing where God is looking for you to make a mistake and then pound you over the head. Okay? Let me say something, y'all. You know, we live in a society now where you can't say nothing. This new, you know, most of the folk that's talking about woke, they're not even asleep. They're dead. You know, and this new what they call cancel culture where 
these 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 people who lurk about all over the place waiting for you to make a mistake so they can tell you to leave your job. I'm not leaving my job. You leave your job. Oh, that's right. You don't have a job. That's why you're on the computer, everybody, all day trying to tell everybody to lose their job. Y'all, I'm going to say this to the whole community. If I say homosexuality is wrong, it's not because I'm homophobic. I'm not afraid of anything or anybody. Okay? It just means that I recognize two dudes should not be together. No different than if I'm against bestiality. It's not because I'm animal phobic. I just realized you should not be marrying Bessie the cow. If I say two people should not be marrying a tree, I'm not nature phobic. I just recognize a tree is for fruit. It's not for walking down the altar with your crazy behind. You know, and now you got this, it's just, and see, the problem is, the Bible says when sentence against evil is not put in check, it says the men become fully given to it. And this thing is just spiraling out of control. People marrying dead people. And, and, and I can't even tell you some of the stuff that's going on because you won't put the first one in check. Then the whole thing starts getting out of check. And, 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 then, and then they say, well, you're judging me. No, I'm not. The Bible says you know people by their fruits. Just because I said you're doing something wrong doesn't. If you're baking a cake and I tell you you're using the wrong ingredient, all I did was tell you you were using the wrong ingredient. I didn't say that the cake is going to be messed up forever just because you made a mistake. You understand what I'm saying? But people, we're in a generation now where people want to tell you what's wrong and it's not wrong, but they don't want to be told what's wrong. And the Bible says, warn to those in the last days who call good evil and call evil good and put light for darkness and darkness for light. I mean, it's just, and, and just, so, and you know, everybody's, everybody's scared now because you got this culture by which now anybody who says anything, they're going to shut you down, you know, and that's one of the reasons why the companies now, you know, what does it got, Mr. MyPillow? Oh, they shutting him down big time. Oh, they shutting him down big, oh, let me tell you something, whether he is right or wrong, all he did was say he had evidence that there was election tampering which there was. He said, I just got evidence. And CVS dropped him. Coles dropped him. Bad Bath & Beyond dropped him. Everybody kept dropping him. He's still rich, so you can drop me all you want to. They tried that foolishness with Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A hit record sales. So you, you dropping somebody is not going, you know, necessarily do it. Y'all remember what Goya did? Never mind, I want to go down that path. Genesis 6, 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Genesis 6, 9. This is the account of Noah. This is a different translation. And his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at that time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. I don't care how much foolishness and sin and filth you are surrounded with. You can still stay clean. The Bible says that Noah was the only righteous man in the entire world, yet that boy could still stay clean. See, that's the power of a good man. How clean can you stay regardless of how bad the neighborhood is going down? You know, I don't care how many guys are cussing on the job. Can you not cuss? You know what I mean? But they're going to talk about me. Let them talk about you then. See? Blameless. So let me give you an examples of this. Okay? In three categories. See? Being perfect is not as hard as you think it is. People who struggle with living right is because they're trying to hang on to two worlds at the same time. Just let it go. If you just let it go, it's no longer a struggle. But it's a struggle when you're trying to hang on to this person and that person at the same time. It's a struggle. It's not a struggle. How many know? But you always got one area that is your kryptonite. How many know? This, this one might come and tap you on the door. You remember me? Uh, we used to hang out about 10 years ago. You ready for it? No, 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 I'm good. I'm good. So you always got one thing. Don't get me wrong. But when it comes to sins, you should not be just struggling with every sin that is in the devil's rule book. <laughs> You're going down every sin that's, they go over, 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 over. When it comes to your mouth, just stop lying. Actually, let's go back to number one. Your body, how many know your body is a temple? The Bible says you are a temple of the Holy Ghost. So guess what? Guess how easy it is to become perfect in that area? Just stop drinking. 
You do realize when you go to the gas station that you might be there for 30 minutes trying to figure out which flavor of water to buy. Now, you got regular water, you got <clears throat> pure water, you got spring water, you got alkaline water, you got coconut water, you got almond water. This is all stuff that I've tasted in the last two months, by the way. You got all of these different variations of water. You got vitamins water. You got, you got all these different types of waters. And we haven't even moved over to all of the different types of soda. You can't even just get a regular Coke. You got vanilla Coke. You got cherry Coke. You got vanilla orange Coke. Now you got cherry vanilla Coke. Then you got Dodd Coke. That's just too many Cokes. You know what I'm saying? And so you got all these variations of fruit juices and, and, and waters and sodas and Kool-Aids. And the list goes on and on and on. You ain't got to get drunk. Just let it go. Whether it be drinking, smoking, drugs, fornication, which is sleeping with somebody that you're not married to, and overeating, which is gluttony. Just let it go. And then guess what? Then you become blameless in that area. Well, you can't blame me for anything. Let's go to the next one. When it comes to your mouth, just stop lying. Why you got to just lie all the time? Just, just stop lying. The truth makes you free, which means a lie puts you in bondage. And one thing about the lie is you got to keep on that lie. You got to keep that thing up. And you forgot the first lie because it wasn't the truth in the first place. You can always remember the truth. You know why? It stays the same. Stop lying. Just stop cussing. It is amazing to me. And, and, and I know you're somewhere in this Rolodex someplace. My wife told me to stop using Rolodex. They don't use those anymore. Dictionary, Rolodex, iPhone, whatever. Okay, y'all, it is amazing. See, don't make excuses to be a part of the dark side. Try to be fully in the light as much as possible. Let them call you okey-doke. Let them call you too heavenly-minded. Let them call you too righteous because I can guarantee you when you stand before the Lord, he will not be agreeing with them. The scripture says, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. You, and see, let me tell you something. There was a time when people, they cuss, you know, when they get mad. You know, okay, so fine. You just lost it for a second. You know, and the person says, Lord Jesus, I'm just so sorry for cussing them out because you got mad. Now, the F word is being interwoven into everything. And it's, it's being, it, it used to just be a cuss word. It's being used as something spiritual now. Um, and you can, you, can, you can feel it just, you know... Let me tell you something. When we cast demons out, some of them, they cuss us out, especially when they get frustrated. I'm amazed at how some don't, but the, the really vulgar ones by now, you ain't been cussed out till you've been cussed out by a demon, which will let you know what spirit you're in when you're using profanity. It's the reason why they call hard alcohol spirits. Why, you, you just going to be drinking the devil out of a bottle? Just, and I know sometimes, I mean, a lot of times people don't know this. You'd be surprised even today people don't know what fornication is. So we're not talking about something that God is mad at you, but let me tell you something. You'll be cut off in certain areas. You'll be opening yourself up to certain things. Okay? Is it? Well, I don't want, I don't want to share that. So judging. Okay? Gossip. Just stop doing those things. It's not hard. Just do what your grandmama said. Son, if you don't have nothing, anything good to say, just be quiet. It means you're going to be silent for a while. And then what happens? People start asking you, what's wrong with you? I just don't have anything to say. And then you become blameless in that area. And then let's listen to the last ones and we'll move on. Hard actions, stealing. Just stop taking the potato chips every time you go to the gas station. Just stop. You can kill somebody, of course, and you can kill them with your words too. There's a saying, a lot of people would be dead if it was not against the law to kill folk. If the only law that said thou shalt not kill was in the Bible, oh, man. You could go into a funeral home business more and clean up. And then, of course, abusing someone. These are things that God is looking at you to see, son, God puts you on a mission. He puts you on a challenge to see, I want to see how much by my power can you clean yourself up so I can call you blameless. So that when you stand before the Lord, I'm going to say, Psh, look at Charlie over here. We ain't got nothing to say about him. And it's crazy because, because the Bible says you can create your own judgment. It says how you judge others is how God is going to judge you. 
So if you quick to put people in hell, if you quick to curse them because they ain't got themselves together, if you quick to all do all of these type of things, then that's exactly how God is going to judge you. When I stand before the Lord, I need him to be silent. I want him to say, you know what? Even though you messed up, I can't really judge those things like that. I have to give you a huge amount of grace because you gave people a huge amount of grace. You know, and then some thing, <clears throat> things I was thinking about. Just, you know, you start looking at this and, and you start thinking about people that you make fun of in public, you know. And, but now I don't. You know, I mean, I saw a guy last weekend and I was amazed at myself. Because <laughs> this dude had yellow hair with a yellow outfit on, with a yellow purse, getting out of a yellow car. And I was absolutely amazed at myself, Violet, that I just spoke to him and smiled like he was a regular individual. I was like, Father, I think I'm growing. Because <laughs> before, I would have streamed that sucker live and pulled all y'all in. Y'all look at this mess right here. He might be an evangelist in five years. Watch this. And then you say little things like, look at this crazy fool. How do you know he's crazy and how do you know he's fool? He might be a broken man that was abused at five. See, that's what I mean. When it says don't judge by the appearance. You might, you might see somebody that's a flaming homosexual. Just look like they could. See, I don't, mean, I don't mean to be funny. When I tell, if you're going to be a homosexual, just be a regular one. Don't be wearing no eyelashes just bumping out to me and you know, all that type of crazy mess. Just be a regular sinner. Don't be extra. Let's just realize I'm online. Let me get back to what I'm... I'm just saying, there's some people, just, they just do stupid stuff for attention. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm just not that good at that, man. When I was at... Was I, it's always at Walmart. Maybe I need to start shopping at Publix. It's at Walmart, and I looked up, and this dude just sat up... He get the, I mean, the longest eyelashes I have ever seen. Just... And, and everybody is staring at me, and they're like, you know you want to say something. I'm just like, I'm not going to say a word here. I'm just it's that close to saying, hey, man, take them things off. Y'all know what I'm saying. And I know, how many know there's someone out there with your name on their forehead? That is, they're going to get you. <laughs> Walked in Home Depot, all there's a big old guy, and they had got him. I walked in him cussing out. I've been in here 30 minutes, blankety, blankety, blank. I was like, don't let them get you. Don't let, you, don't let them get you. <laughs> it's called surprise attacks. Job 1, 1 through 3. Oh, 1 John 5, 3. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. They're not hard. You just don't want to do them. And God will respect you until you're ready to do them. I've had people who come to this church, and they're like, yeah, y'all for real up here. And they're like, yeah, we are. And it's, they say, yeah, I need to get myself together. That's kind of backwards. You don't get in shape and then go to the gym. But I understand what you're saying. They're like, I got to be ready for this. And then they come back. Job 1, 6 through 11. One day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser Satan came with him. Let me back up. I'm sorry. I'm moving too fast, even though I'm almost done. Go back up to Job 1, 1 through 3. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless. When God calls you blameless, you're blameless. A man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. And then it moves instantly over into God made him rich because of it. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. This is a very, very... Rich man. One of the things that you'll do, we'll do a study on this later. You'll notice in the scripture that it very rarely uses um, odd numbers. It's always exact, even numbers. Twelve. And, and it'll never say 12,001. It'll never say 3,015. It'll never say 259. It's always exact 203. It's a numbering system. It's a code in the Bible. But we'll talk about that later. Job 1, 6 through 11, one day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser Satan was with him. Where are you coming from, the Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. 
Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? God wants to brag on you. He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and he stays away from evil. See, God wants to be able to brag on you to Satan. <clears throat> Satan replied to the Lord, yeah, but Job has a good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property that lets you know what happens when you're perfect. You have made him prosper, made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has. And he will surely curse you to your face. And men have preached different variations of that. Those are rare cases. That's not for everyone. Every once in a while, God will pick a man and use it to challenge Satan. That's basically what that was about. Because the Bible said that Job had done nothing wrong. He said he was perfect. He was upright. So much so that God bragged on him being so righteous and made him rich. But there's something about these mysteries where God picked Job to challenge Satan. You see, God knows the future. Satan doesn't. So he knew what Job was going to do. He knew that Job would not break. And I mean, you know, that's a tall order and a big price to pay. But that gets over into other mysteries, you know, in, the, in that regard. <clears throat> Revelation 12.10. I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to the earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. Now, we just read about Satan accusing someone to God who was perfect. And we just read this scripture that says Satan accuses us before God day and night. He would not accuse us before God day and night if God sometimes was not going to move his hand back. Because unfortunately, most Christians have not been taught what rules the invisible realm is not religion. It is laws. And if you break the law called sin, there must be a penalty. And Satan can't be everywhere at all times. But when you fall into sin, and what's so crazy is, is that what they are, let me tell you what Satan does. This is a master at what they do. How many of you have something that you've been tempted with in the past? Okay. And, and it seemed like the temptation wouldn't leave. And then you broke and you yielded to the temptation. Okay. Well, what you didn't know is that there was an invisible creature. Remember what Satan told God? He said, I've been patrolling the entire earth. Why? Wow, he has a team of men, a team of creatures doing this. And so, and y'all follow me on the camera because I'm getting ready to jump down. So what Satan does, he tempts you, he tempts you, he tempts you. And then what you do is you fall into sin. It's like falling into a pool of sharks. Okay. And so now because you fell into the pool of sin, the sharks have a right to take you out. But they can't take you out unless they get permission from your heavenly father based on a legal document. So they're the ones who pull you in. Then he's the one that goes to God and says, your boy down there is in sin and we have a legal right to snuff him out. And then God employs something called grace. It's him ignoring Satan while he's giving you time. You, have, you know, your kids do that. You know, you tell them to do something and, and they're doing this. You say, stop. Stop. I said, stop. They're trying to see how long they can go. And y'all looking like, I'm about to give my kid a spanking right now. Don't do it. <laughs> Folk getting ready to go, go to children's church. This is just because. <laughs> y'all are hilarious. Parents shaking their head like, oh, you did the same thing to your parents. Don't be getting mad at them. Okay. So, 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 and how many of you know you've also ignored your child? Can I have a popsicle? 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 And you're trying to ignore them, and you're hoping that they will stop. Well, that's a small, maybe mundane, terrible example of when you fall into sin. That's why judgment doesn't come immediately because Satan, the Bible says, this is the one who accused us before God day and night. Day and night. It's nonstop. Okay? The Lord called a Baptist minister up to heaven one time and showed him what this looked like. He said there was a line as far as the eye could see of demonic creatures before the throne of God. With written petitions, I got a right to take out the child because of what the parent is doing. I got a right to do this because your boy down there, he, now, I know what you're doing. You're trying to ignore us and give him time because the definition of mercy is more time. I'm going to give you more time. It's called mercy, which is time before I am forced to bring judgment. Because watch this, you all. 
Would God have ever done that to Job if Satan had kept his mouth closed? Think about that. If Satan had never challenged God about Job, Job, we would not even be reading about him. Wouldn't even know who the man was. You understand what I'm saying? So you got to be very, very careful because it is the devil trying to pull you into these things, pull you into your vices. I got a right to place cancer on them. Because look how long they've been doing such, 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 such. Okay? <laughs> then when you repent of how long you've been doing such, 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 then the devil tells you God is not going to heal you now because you did it for 10 years. It's a big old game. Because with God, it's instant. With the devil, they use everything they can against you. And they accuse you before God day and night. I don't want to use that example because it might be a little bit too violent. But let me tell you something. You better learn how to speak up. The devil is the ultimate serial killer criminal. And unfortunately, he doesn't just always respect commands. You got to hold your ground and use power against this fool. Psalm 19, 7 through 11. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. This is the word of God. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant. And watch this. A great reward for those who obey them. The Bible talks about reward, but when it says great reward, you can calculate this if you had the mind of Jesus. This is big rewards on the other side. Hey, maybe I shouldn't have said if you had the mind of Jesus. If you had the mind of Jesus, never mind. <clears throat> James 1, 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy, not great complaining. Great joy, not great sorrow, great joy, not great impatience. Great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. James 3.2. And do indeed we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongue, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. I don't even know exactly how that works, folks. I mean, no, it doesn't matter how, if I know how it works, but the Bible makes it clear. If you can control this right here, this right here can cause you to be perfect really, really fast. It says if you can control this, you can control anything. And now that doesn't mean you talking, uh, 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 that doesn't mean if someone else is talking, you don't interrupt them. That's part of it. Some people, they interrupt people too much. Okay, the Bible says only a fool will try to answer a matter before you've heard the whole thing. Okay, so learn how to just be quiet, let the person finish their sentence fully, be totally engaged, and then answer. Okay, a lot of people, they know how to finish the sentence before you even started it. I'm going to go ahead because I feel a few sister glaring at me and I don't know who's what's going on in whatever household. Okay, but he said, if you can control this, if you can stop using profanity. And, and let me tell you, do you, do you know that... Um, um, what's worse than profanity is when you speak negative things over yourself. Okay? When the Bible talks about cursing in some instances, it's not talking about profanity. It's talking about you speaking ill over your life. I can't do this. I'll never be able to do this. You know, this is just how I am. No, it's not. That's how you learned. You are what you were. <laughs> the seeds of the past are what have become now. You can replant new seeds and become something different in the future. Okay. First <clears throat> John 4, 17. Last two. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. You need to live in him. And it's not visit him every once in a while at the church service. Okay. You need to live in God. Our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment because we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. And last scripture, Colossians 4.12. Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. 
He always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. And that's something I'm going to encourage all of you to incorporate in your prayers. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you to perfect me in the whole will of God. Perfect me in every single area. Show me the things that are tripping me up. Show me the things that I need to let go of. Show me the people I need to let go of. I'm asking you to perfect me in all the will of God. That's a lifelong process, okay? But you can get there much faster than you think. The men in the Old Testament got there before they got to the end of their life. And they didn't have the powers that you have. They didn't have the word like you had. Now let me say this. They also didn't have the temptations like you had. Okay? So that's what's most amazing is that God picked you to be here during one of the most evil times on planet Earth. It is amazing to me that what is at my kids' fingertips now never crossed my mind when I was a kid. The highest level of evil and the highest level of righteousness are right at your fingertip. Think about it. There's no place that you can't go in the next 10 seconds. No matter how righteous... No matter how vile, no matter how wicked, evil, and twisted, there's no place you can't go on your phone right now. And you got this temptation knocking at you every single day. And then now you're living in a culture by which this is like the norm. You know, and then you have, seems like, it seems, this is not the case, but it seems like people who call upon the name of the Lord, they have stepping. And making excuses for it. And, and, you know, you can't walk out the door with seeing some type of perversion, some type of temptation. I mean, the air is toxic. The people are toxic. Folk are looking at you funny. You know what I'm saying? You're feeling different type of impressions. You can't turn on the television. You can't turn on the news without seeing some foolishness. And it's just, boom, just inundating, inundating you. And yet, God said, you can still be perfect because it's a choice. And if you, don't have, if you don't have any revelation on the other, about the other side, it'll be impossible. It really will be impossible. You know, God was able to say that about Job. What did he say? He said, that man serves me. He's righteous in all that he does. Why? Because God was recording them every single day. And that's the thing that will help you greatly. If you can get that across your mind is that from sunup to sundown, I'm being recorded. And when I go to sleep, it still stays on because they had to record the dreams that they gave me. God knows how many times you breathed last night. <laughs> he knows how many times your heart beat in the last two minutes. He knows the number of hairs that are on your head. I don't want to go stand before someone who has that ability to record, hold, and memorize information, and he died for me. He said, yeah, I died for you, and all you got to do is accept me. And you'll become like me. And you go from sinner to acceptance, acceptance to good, and good to perfect. And the more you climb the ladder, it's a challenge. And the more you climb the ladder to the top, the more you're going to get a whole bunch of stuff on the other side. Let me say this last thing. I want, you to be all, I want you all to be careful when we talk about gains and loss. It's not a lot of what we call the reward system and you losing is... Let me say something. Have any of you been watching the news and, it, and you were hearing something on the stock market about a particular company? And they would say something strange, and they would say, General Motors lost $10 million this year. And it's, it, it can usually be a high number. They'll say, General, General uh, Motors, this quarter, they lost $50 million. Any of you ever seen that before? Maybe, maybe you didn't. You weren't paying attention because you're like, I don't care. What's my money? <laughs> yeah. But, but you'll see that from time to time. They'll say, Apple Computer, you know, they lost $1 billion. And, and, and you get to thinking, how do you lose that much money and still, you know, keep rising? Because you, you misunderstood it. These companies project how much they're supposed to make. Okay? So Apple will say, for this next quarter, we have projected we're supposed to make $100 million. I'm using smaller numbers. We projected we're supposed to make $100 million. Okay, well, if they only made 70 million, then they will say they lost 30. You understand what I'm saying? They lost 30 because you could have made 100. 
So, so, so in the kingdom, you might gain, but you also might be losing because you could have gained more. So it's not that God is like looking to see, you know, what he can take away from you. And, 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 and no, it's not like that at all. It's that, you know, he said, make sure you do everything you can to get your full reward. Because if you can get 100 million, don't do just enough just to get 50. Understand what I'm saying? So, so you got to practice these things. You got to practice it every single day. And it's going to get on your nerves. Sometimes you're not going to feel like doing it. And, but let me tell you something. When you come here, come to class. I mean, no, when you go to class, you go whether or not you feel it or not, whether you like it or not, you are supposed to go to class because you might miss something. <laughs> and God is, and let me tell you something. I'm going to do one series, one session on God counts. And God counts how many times you come to class. He does. And again, not that he can penalize you and put you in a, in a dark room. No, he, pen, he, he, he counts because he has to put all of this into an equation because, y'all, God has a lot of stuff. You have no idea how much stuff God has. God has so much stuff that he said, eyes haven't seen it, ears haven't heard it, and it's never even entered into your imagination what I have. And the universe doesn't count because you can see that. And we can't figure out the universe. Okay? So let's go ahead and stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and lift our hands. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. Help us, O oh Lord God. We pray, O oh Lord God, that you would perfect us in all the will of God. Help us, O oh Lord God, to begin to live our lives in such a way that we can be blameless by you and by men, but more importantly, and most importantly, by you. Help us to live our lives in such a way that it will cause us to be blameless. Thank you, O oh Lord God. For many, in order to walk that path, it will cause them to lose friends. It will cause them to lose family members. But you said, O oh Lord God, that those that are your brothers and sisters are the ones who follow your will. So I thank you, O oh Lord God, for giving us great insight and courage, giving us great wisdom. Speak unto us and show us the things that are tripping us up showing us the things that are messing us up showing us the things that we need to let go of showing us the people that we need to let go of that are slowing us down because we have a race to run we're in the last we're in the last leg of this race so we ask that you supernaturally give us speed god speed supernaturally give us grace to catch up with lost time even catch up with the lost time from previous generations Previous generations have not done certain things that have even caused us to be behind. But we ask, oh Lord God, that you would give us the grace to make up that lost time. For everything, oh Lord God, is hanging on our shoulders, but we have the last baton. Thank you, Lord, that you would give us the ability to run with speed, catch up, and finish strong so that those who went before us can be perfected. And give us more insight and wisdom even into what that means. Because anything that you have shared, anything that we know is not even 0.01%, constantly increase our wisdom and our ability to understand. And give us the grace and the power, oh Lord God, to do these things and practice these things. We thank you, Lord God, for it now in Jesus' name. Let's just give God thanks and praise for a moment. Bless his holy and majestic name. We thank you, O oh Lord God, for allowing us to not fall by the wayside. Thank you, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah.